For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 161 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Paul's Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And he's back. Our buddy Will is back. Uh, thanks, of course, to our good friend Rob, Game Master Extraordinaire, for uh, filling in last week and giving you guys a nice little preview of some of our Patreon content. But my buddy Will's back. And all is right. Haven't really gotten to hang out with my... Uh, well, digitally hang out with my buddy Will since uh, our live stuff a couple weekends ago. Because his ass tore off to the beach afterwards. Yeah, I took straight off to the beach afterwards. How was your uh, How was your beach trip? It was alright. It was a little, a little cloudy at first. But the sun came out the last couple days. So, at least it came out. And this was a... I golf- got myself a little bit of sun... This is a Gulf Shores beach trip? Yeah, Orange Beach, Gulf Shores. Yeah. yeah. Very nice, very nice. Yeah. Um, dude, might I say, I've been meaning to tell you this because, you know, we did the, the stuff at the Sci-Fi and Fantasy Festival, and then you had to, to head back to Tupelo pretty quickly afterwards, so we didn't really get yeah. to, like, chat afterwards too much. Right. Your ass was cool as a cucumber all afternoon. Who me? Yeah, man. I we really are the yin and yang of the same dude. Like where I was super nervous throwing up that morning. Not you though. I woke up uh, that Saturday morning and you're like, "I'm going to go get coffee. I'm excited. I'm in a good mood. I'm not nervous at all." Oh my goodness. If I could be like Will Oh, dude, I and admittedly I was a little nervous, but I mean, it was more pre-performance jitters, you know, like uh, when you're in high school and you're doing show choir and plays, and you really like, I'm a ham. I like to be on stage. You're talking about you put me in front of a bunch of people, give me a microphone. I'm happy as pig and shit. You know, like you I were having I like a good old time in front of folks do what i was just saying you have you have a lot more experience with that sort of thing than i do yeah i so and you know i took one year of drama class in high school participated in one play had a very small role the next year my junior year or senior year i can't remember i think it was junior year we go to orientation for the first day of drama class that year and the drama teacher's like, all right, this year we're doing a musical. And I left. That was it. You were like, no, thank you. I was like, no, thank you. I do not want to sing in front of people. I am not going to be doing a musical this year. So no drama class for me this year. That yeah, sucks. Dude, I like musicals. I, this is not even a, well, okay. I'm not trying to act cool or like, smart definitely not trying to act smart at the time in in you know a junior in high school i was definitely not into musicals i would say there are musicals i like now 
a small selection of them. Granted, I haven't been exposed to a lot, but there are a, a small selection that I enjoy now, but I wouldn't be in a musical today either. Like, I am just not looking to sing in front of people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but anyways, I, I, I want to give a couple of quick shout-outs and thanks to some people that helped us that Saturday. First off, I want to thank our buddy Jeff Ling for manning the recording. Yeah, of the being stuff. a boss. Oh, my goodness, dude. I would have been so lost trying to figure out how to do that stuff. Like, you know, Keith came back there and he was like, you just got to tell me what to do. And I was thinking, buddy, I don't really know if I know what to do to make sure this works. And then um, when Jeff showed up, he was like, oh, we do this. He was this, just this. like, uh, oh, I got this. Tweak this and yeah. uh, this should be at these levels. And uh, I got it. You know, yeah. yeah. It's a little Fucking weird perfect. that they would screw it in. But, you know, hey. Yeah, he he had it perfectly. Um, I want to thank... Um, Dude, a bunch of my family came out. I want to thank them. I want to thank uh, Keith and Sierra and Hunter for taking pictures. I think Hunter mainly took the pictures, but we had some nice pictures taken while we were doing it. Um, and I want to thank the Hoover Public Library for having us out there. Oh, the Hoover Public Library and everybody affiliated with the, the library staff was so helpful and so kind and so gracious. Dude, how crazy was that library? I will fully and that's admit amazing. Yeah, I'll fully admit that I have not been in a library in years before that. You know, um, I'm Last kind time of, I was in a library was in college. I went to the Tupelo Library once to get a library card and haven't been back. And um, yeah, yeah, and so damn, like I didn't know you can rent board games from the library. You can rent board games, video DVDs, games, video games. I did not know. Libraries were so balling now. Oh my goodness! Yeah, the last time I was in a, like a library like that, I think they were renting VHS tapes. Yeah, yeah. The Columbus Club Public Library was uh, so. I've, of course, I went to the the library at State when I was in college there. But yeah, to but be they honest, don't have videos to rent and shit. Be honest, I didn't go there that much in my I brief went, college I was at the career. State Library a while, a couple. Yeah, I was. I spent my time in the library. Not, not. As much as I should have, I should have spent way more time in the library. <laughs> right. But I spent enough time in there. I can say I did, because I did. Oh, in psychology, God. all the, the fucking academic research you have to right, right. go through. and I mean, you can do a lot of it online, too. But Yeah, I guess I spent more time when I was at State in like drawing and painting studios and 3D design studios and stuff like that. Jealous. Because of, you know, my chosen college path well anyways uh I, we've got some exciting stuff to talk about this week uh i don't know if you've even heard the skinny and the inside scoop that's going around some exciting stuff about the star wars live action show have you heard anything about that this week um is something about the rights are up in the air about the Star Wars live action show and their purchase from Fox, I think is what it is. No, no. That that whole thing was the streaming rights for the first six movies. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, episodes yeah. one through six because Disney sold the broadcast and streaming rights to those to Turner back in like 2014 or something. Maybe 2015. So. Either way... We talked about it last week. I don't even think know how accurate that story is or how much of a big deal it is. But no, the live action show, this is exciting news. But we'll get to that in just a second. Well, then, no, I don't. I'm not aware. Okay. So. Before we do that, I need to, to top off everybody's cups with a spot of business. Oh. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blueharvestpodcast. You can email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at blueharvestpod. We have a T Public store, tpublic.com slash blueharvestpodcast. And we are so, so happy to be part of the Making Star Wars Podcast Network, the best damn ass podcast network and the entire galaxy of Star Wars podcasting, where we stink up the pool with our own 
poopy style of podcasting, a pool full of podcasting greats. I'm just throwing podcasting around like a maniac. Now this is podcasting. Rebel Girl podcasting. Steel Wars podcasting. Rogue One podcasting. The Sith List podcasting. Podcast 2187 podcasting. Idiots Ray, Tarkin's Top Shell, First Order Transmissions, and The Cargo Hold. I, I couldn't keep up that whole podcasting thing. It was a too much. And, once again, if you really like what we do, and you want more of what we do, uh, we have a Patreon now. Patreon.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast, where for a minimum of $3 a month, you get... Uh, a bonus episode every Monday, and so far we've released Steve versus the Prequels episode one, Jaws episode one, and Blue Harvest Adventures episode one, which we've been getting some nice feedback on. Actually, we've been getting nice feedback on all of them. Blue Harvest Adventures? Yeah. Yes. People seem to like it. Mm, good. This week... We have uh, the first episode of Oh No, It's Hall's Solo going on. Oh, I'm looking forward to this. That is a a train wreck. Yeah. Crazy train wreck. Um, Is that because it goes off the rails? Let me tell you about my day today, buddy. Oh, tell me. I have had one of those days where... Actually, this week has been a little weird because Monday night, right, or Monday day before I left for work, I noticed the internet wasn't working. And you've seen me with internet service calls. Yeah. I, I It really bugs me because I pay a lot for that internet service. And I understand shit happens. But I would say within the last six to eight months, Bright House, who we previously used to have internet from, sold to this company called Spectrum. And ever since Spectrum took over, it seems like we have way more problems, right? Yeah. So the internet goes out. I'm stressing because, you know, I do my work online. Like I work from home using the internet and I go to places and work as well. So I'm stressing about that. I'm also stressing because we have an appointment to record more Blue Harvest Adventures that evening. Well, luckily enough, internet comes back. Tuesday, I get home from work. I'm sitting there typing. And I'm like, all right, I am going to get ahead of work before I have to record Rogue One tonight. It's going to be awesome. I'll be caught up with work. Not 30 minutes into working, our power goes out. Oh. And is out for like two hours. Jeez. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Everywhere I turn, I'm running into fucking podcast roadblocks, right? Yeah. And then today, today was the frustration supreme. All right. First things up, right? I ordered a nice display cabinet for some of my Star Wars collectibles. Been excited all week for this thing to come in. I see UPS pull up. Oh, yeah. UPS, man. I know you're coming for me, buddy. So... I go to the door, I sign the thing, he hands me a small package of like makeup that Jesse ordered, and then he has this giant 90-pound box with a with a unassembled display cabinet in it, right? And as right. he's lifting it through the doorway, the bottom of it drops out and the contents fall out. Oh. I have yet to unpack it fully. It doesn't seem like like moving it around doesn't sound like anything's broken, but who knows? I'll wait to open that. It's right now it's Schrodinger's is that right? Schrodinger's cat? Right now it's both broken and unbroken. Who knows? Who knows? Yes. And then Okay, so there's gonna be a sizzle of this up on our Patreon and Steel's Patreon, but Steel and I have had this sort of Patreon bonus project in the works for a couple of months, right? In the discussion right. phase. Today was the day. We're going to record the first episode. Eat it, like it, it, I scheduled it out. We're, we're talking back and forth, excited, getting information together. The time comes. What follows? 
was two hours of technical difficulties on my end. Oh my God. And dude, I was so stressed. My, I could feel my blood pressure going up. I was sweaty. Like, it was a nightmare. It resulted in me having to order a couple of extra pieces of equipment to make sure when we do get there, when we try it again, hopefully things go a little more smoothly. Right. But that Were you able to record anything? Uh, yeah, we recorded a maybe like a 10, 15 minute little teaser where we talk about yeah. what it's going to be and talk about my frustration with all my technical difficulties. So you can look forward to that being on the Patreon soon. You can hear right a very, on. very frazzle, frazzled halls in the midst That's of my a favorite kind. Yeah, in the midst of a blood pressure spike of immense proportions. Ah, oh, jeez. Ah, oh, crap. Oh, crap. Oh, crap. But I'm talking to my buddy Will now, and everything seems to be moving slowly or smoothly. Slowly. Oh, and shout out. Uh, my recording gear didn't work at all after getting off the phone with Steel this afternoon, like after the two hours of trying to record. I just right. couldn't get it to record anything. And I'm like, oh, great. I fucked something up. Maybe I broke my mixing board. Maybe I broke my laptop. Who knows? You know who swooped in and rescued my ass? Who's that? Eric Strathers. Really? Yep. Our buddy Eric Strathers with that technical technical well, know-how. Technical support genius is yeah, what he man. is. Audio support what, uh, genius. What What'd you have to do? Just reboot everything? No, I definitely tried all that. What ended up happening was there was some weird setting like some device conflict that had muted the mic input or something man i don't need to right now i don't know all i know is it seems to be working right i ain't gonna like well, yeah you don't want to talk about it too much bring that juju back around so you want to talk about some star wars yeah i would love to especially if you teased me with this big thing okay so you I know saw mark himmel try to sell his pants on Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> that was pretty hilarious. Dude, Mark Hamill's a funny guy. He's such a funny guy. He's such a good guy. Love that Mark Hamill. Uh, speaking of Mark Hamill, it looks like he's headed to London, or England, rather. He was posting on Instagram that he's headed east. So that's what I assume he's doing, is he's getting ready to head over there for uh, episode nine filming and everything. Nice. Um, so, you know, We've known for a few months now that John Favreau is the in charge of the upcoming Star Wars live action series. We know that uh, that's going to be on the Disney streaming service. Um, well, things are starting to clarify about this series a little bit, and I'm liking what I'm hearing. The first thing that broke this week was, I believe, a report from Variety that was all about sort of the streaming service and some of the projects they have in in the works for it. One of which, of course, is the Star Wars TV show. And they mentioned in that article that it is 10 episodes. The first season is 10 episodes with a estimated budget of $10 million per episode. So to put that into context, that is on the definitely on the higher end for television budgets and puts it in the range of like the higher budget Game of Thrones episodes. Hmm. So, you know, looking at uh, $100 million for a season of Star Wars, 10 hours of Star Wars, I would imagine. I imagine it'll be an hour show. Um, so, you know, a little bit of financial information. But then the big stuff drops, all right? Our good pal, our good buddy, Jason Ward over at Making Star Wars, He's like, budgets, I'll do you one better. What if I tickle your balls a little bit and maybe let you know what might be going on in the show? So Jason is very clear in his article that this is all early stuff. Take it with a grain of salt, but this is what he's hearing. Okay, you ready? Mm -hmm. So we know that the show takes place three years after Return of the Jedi. And apparently... The subject of the show is Mandalore and how Mandalore is affected by the fall of the Empire. 
Okay. So, you know, we got a lot of Mandalore. We, we've been getting a lot of Mandalore stuff since the Clone Wars. Lots of Mandalore stuff in there. Mandalore stuff in Rebels. Clone Wars is coming back. Siege of Mandalore. Mandalore, Mandalore, Mandalore. Um, we know that the Empire sort of took over and took control of Mandalore during like the Rebels period and stuff. And Sabine and her family are trying to get Mandalore back from the Empire. Blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> but the way Jason describes it is after the Empire falls, there is a power vacuum on Mandalore and um being a country of warring nature right historically gives to warring factions fighting it out for the power vacuum right and and you know in clone wars they sort of established that yes Mandalore was traditionally sort of a warrior culture and then Duchess Satine wanted to move past that legacy and then like the death watch with with um Pre Vizsla, who was John Favreau, um, are against that. They want it to be more like its warrior roots, right? Right. So, honestly, I kind of wonder if that's going to be sort of the basis of it, like uh, the peaceful Mandalore faction versus the warrior Mandalore faction. Either way, if this turns out to be true, it sounds like we are going to get lots of dudes and ladies in Mandalorian armor fucking fighting it out, fucking Mandalorian politics and and, and conflict. Woo, I'm excited about that prospect. Dude, uh, I am too, but I can't even imagine how all the Mandos out there in the world feel. Oh, like the Mando Mercs and stuff? Like our yeah. buddy Vinny the Mando? The Mando yep. Kenobi? Oh, yep. man. Dude, do you realize like how much that's, more badass Mando cosplay those guys are going to be able to that's do? That's what I'm saying. Like how many new Mandalorians and armor there will be to be made. Mm. And so this, this way raises some interesting possibilities that we could see. First off, we're going to get to see, potentially, Mandalore in live action. For the first time. Uh, That'll be awesome. Does Boba Fett have any role to play in this? Do they even consider Boba Fett alive? I bet they mention him. I could see them mentioning him. Um, that, you know, that could definitely be the case. I don't know. I think it would be pretty cool if they do consider Boba Fett alive. Like, why not feature him in the show at some point? I mean, talk about a fucking special appearance a very special episode of star wars live action show you know um there but then you you can go further and you can say well is sabine going to be involved and that one could be pretty likely honestly it probably all hinges on the timeline of her leaving with ahsoka to find ezra like when does that happen right yeah. Is that, does she leave before three years after Return of the Jedi? Is that after the live action show? Either way, it could be cool. We could see a live action Sabine. We could see Bo-Katan, Satine's sister, who was a big part of the Clone Wars, who's going to be part of the Siege of Mandalore. And when you look at all the stuff they've done with Mandalore and, you know, bringing Clone Wars back to wrap it up with the Siege of Mandalore... Like, uh, the being, the big culminating event being a live action show that focus on that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I think so as well. That's a pretty neat little master stroke. We could see the dark saber. We won't. That would be crazy. Yeah. We, we probably won't see it, but they could allude to the time when Maul, like, was ruling over Mandalore because that happens in the Clone Wars. Like, there's a lot of cool shit that they could uh, allude to or even show us, you know? Yeah. And immediately, not immediately. Uh, you know, it went through its normal Star Wars news cycle where something like that breaks and you see a lot of excitement. And then, of course, the the negative Nancys, the Debbie Downers come out and they're like, eh, boring. Okay, man. But I'm still excited. You could be yeah, bored right. all you want. I'm stoked. G- 
give me some goddamn Mandalore. I've had a right. Boba Fett movie pulled out from under me twice now. Josh Trank, James Mangold. I need some Mandalore of some sort. <coughs> How y'all gonna do my boy Hawes like that? <laughs> hopefully, uh, hopefully third time's a charm. And then, you know, maybe maybe Boba Fett does show up. Right. I bet they still got plans for him to get a solo movie. I would think so eventually. Eventually. Whenever well, they go back to the Well, think about it this way. Like, let's say the show comes out. And the show is really well received and Boba Fett at some point does play a part in it. Who's to say they don't spin out a Boba Fett movie from the show, you know, from the events of the show? That could be cool. Could be. Um I know a lot of people seem to think that, like, if we do get a Boba Fett movie, it's going to be more like, um, you know, a younger Boba Fett, pre-A New Hope Boba Fett. Um, and that could still be the case, obviously. I'm more interested in post-Return of the Jedi Boba Fett, Boba Fett, if there is even any story to tell, right? Old man, veteran, badass. Just because, <clears throat> you know, you know, um, are you familiar with the author J.W. Rensler? No. Okay, he uh, did these really well-known, well-received making-of Star Wars books. He's done them for the original trilogy. Um, he might have done some for the prequels. I'm not... I, I'm Honestly, I'm not 100% sure. But uh, he was also working on a making-of The Force Awakens book that never came out. There were some shenanigans behind the scenes with that. We're still not exactly sure what it is. But apparently, George Lucas... He said that George Lucas told him that Boba Fett survives the Sarlacc. And that's kind of been our best evidence to that fact that Boba Fett survived, right? Right. But, you know, just because George said it doesn't mean Disney has to follow that, you know? Does it, you know, George had I mean, his... why wouldn't they? I... The more, more story to tell, the more money you're going to make. That is true. That is true. You know, I, I also feel like, you know, had the Disney uh, purchase happened like right after the prequels or sometime in the 90s, the, the possibility of a Boba Fett movie would have been a lot more when the Boba Fett hype was a lot stronger. I just feel like Boba Fett has lost his shine in the fandom a little bit. Um, but I don't know. Maybe that's just me focusing on the negative. I think so because I don't think Boba Fett lost any shine but that's just me i mean you know they Boba still make that's a badass they still make you got to tell that man no disintegrations <laughs> they still make a lot of boba fett merchandise right and do you make a lot of boba fett merchandise if that merchandise doesn't sell and if that merchandise sells that to me makes me think there's at least an some sort of audience there for content pertaining to the fat man himself um, but you know, with it focusing on Mandalore, it also raises an interesting question that they kind of seem to establish in Clone Wars that Jango Fett wasn't an actual Mandalorian. He just wore the armor, right? So, if that's the case, does Boba Fett have a purpose in the story if he's not really a Mandalorian? He just wears Mandalorian armor, right? And if this, yeah you know, show is going to focus on the conflict on Mandalore, then, you know, I can see why they could say, well, he doesn't really have a place in this story. I don't know. I, clearly... And Boba Fett is just an unaltered clone of Jango Fett. Right. Um, you know, Jason, from Making Star Wars on, on his podcast, on their podcast this week, was talking and brought up a good point, like, and, you know, obviously this would be something I'd be really into seeing, but who knows if they'd actually do something like this. What if it dealt with Boba Fett returning to Mandalore to try and earn his place among the Mandalorians, right? Right. And, you know, um, there was another thing. There's this show called Rebels Recon, right, that they do on YouTube, and it was sort of a a wrap-up recap show for each episode of Rebels. It's hosted by Andy Gutierrez. 
Pablo Hidalgo was on most of the episodes and things like that. And he mentioned that the Mandalorian system, like our territory comprises of, it's not just Mandalore. There's a lot of planets, like maybe like a hundred planets or something in the Mandalorian system. So I think that's a cool opportunity where you could also have a variety of environments and stuff. I don't know. It excites me either way. Yeah, I totally see that. Is there anything, given that premise, you know, just the, the general idea of Mandalore after the fall of the Empire, is there anything in there that, like, you can think of you'd like to see? Not really. I, I'm, I'm easy going. I'll take whatever I get. I'd like to see the warrior nature of the Mandalorians. You know, I'd just like to see some clips of that. Oh, I mean, there's got to be action of some sort involved. It's not just going to be a talky-talky show, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's not going to be like Kevin Smith wrote Star Wars where... It's just two Mandalorians working at a Mandalorian convenience store talking about Mandalorian shit. How messed up is this hollow program where this happens? <laughs> um, speaking of Boba Fett, quick aside, Jeremy Bullock, the most well-known man in the armor himself, uh, announced last week that he is retiring from con appearances and stuff. It's got to be rough on you traveling everywhere. Yeah, and you know, he's an older fella, and, and dude, he worked that con segment, uh, you know, con circuit, rather. Did like, he? I, he put in work, man. Like, and good for him. Like, I think that's something that's really cool. Like, because no offense to Jeremy Bullock, it's not like he was Boba Fett in Star Wars and then was like Harrison Ford, the most sought after actor. Of his right. generation and shit, right? Or well-regarded. He was a guy in a suit. You never saw his face. So I think it's really cool that even though he wasn't able to like score giant roles after that, he was still able to make a career from for himself doing the con circuit, meeting fans, shaking hands, kissing babies, taking pictures. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I met him at Pensacon one year, and he could not be a nicer more polite just a nice gentleman that jeremy bullock um so that's awesome i uh he, he had a mustache back in the day right i think he did i think i've seen some pictures of him in the boba fett armor with the helmet off and he had a kick-ass mu- stash. mustache yeah mustachio gentleman jeremy bullock um but yeah man i think he deserves a nice uh relaxing latter part of his life right his twilight years can be whatever they want yeah i'm glad i had the opportunity to meet him and stuff you know since i'm such a big boba fett mark as the wrestling fans would say um but yeah just a little little in a statement i saw i can't i had a couple people send it to me um you know being like oh check it out he's retiring Someone that knows your love for the Boba Fett. Yeah, they know me well. They know the kind of shit I'm interested in. Um, but yeah, I, I just can't help but think that that opens up a lot of cool story opportunities. Um, you know, warring factions on Mandalore and, like I said, the Darksaber. Man, how cool will it be to see the Darksaber in live action? Um very cool. You know, especially with the importance in the story it played in Rebels, towards the end of Rebels with Sabine and her family and stuff. Like I said, they were basically fighting back against the Empire's control of, of Mandalore. Um, <clears throat> another cool thing that Jason mentioned in his article was uh, some possible technology that they're going to be using to work on the show um so they've developed this thing and and it's a offshoot of ilm ILM called ilm x lab and from what i understand this technology was used um during some parts of rogue one 
and you can actually, I believe, see it in use in the the director and the Jedi, the making of the Last Jedi documentary that uh, was on the Blu-ray release. Um, hmm. And in that, you can see they're on the set where the throne room is going to be, and. Ryan Johnson is holding a tablet and they're showing him as he moves the tablet around the set in real time on the screen. He can see what it's going to look like. You see what yeah. I'm saying? So it allows yeah, yeah. him before the set's being done to get an idea of what it's going to look like. And as he moves it in real time, it shows him and it allows them to see CGI effects and stuff real time. So for instance, let's say you're shooting a scene with a live action character and a CGI character, you can see what their interactions are going to look like without having to wait for the CGI to be done. Does that make sense? Yeah. So basically it's, it's a way to speed up the process when you're using CGI elements and, and environments and stuff. <clears throat> that it sounds fascinating. It is neat. Uh, it's hard to explain. That's, that's kind of the big deal about what Oat Studio is doing, right? Who? Oh, is that um, Neil Blumkamp Studio? Yeah. Did you? I thought they were messing around with the graphics that were like real time special effects rendering kind of stuff. You you could very well be right about that. I haven't done much. I've watched you know a couple of the shorts they did and and thought they were really good. I like Neil Blumkamp. I, I do too. I thought all those shorts were good. I know a lot of people were like, District 9 was his only good movie. I enjoyed District 9, Elysium, and Chappie. I yeah, don't know. Uh, you know what he's working on now? What? RoboCop. RoboCop? He is doing... Are they using the same RoboCop guy again? From The, the guy re- from Altered Carbon? From the reboot? No. This is a sequel to RoboCop. The original RoboCop. Okay. You see what I'm saying? They're kind of doing like a... um, Basically like the new Halloween movie that comes out that ignores everything but the original Halloween movie. So it's like a new sequel to the original Halloween. Um, I see. It's kind of like that. Where it... I believe it ignores everything but RoboCop 1. And it just takes place 30 years later or whatever. Um, to where Peter Weller is still RoboCop? I, once again, I don't know that Peter Weller will be RoboCop. I don't know that he could be in the suit and it look the same. You know what I'm saying? Like, Peter Weller's an older guy. They could probably use his voice, though. Have him dub in. Fucking dead or alive, you're coming with me. Did you ever um, see the animated version of The Dark Knight Returns? the Frank Miller graphic novel that they did. They did like a part one and two DC animated movie. I don't think so, no. It's pretty good, and Peter Weller plays Batman. Does he really? Yeah. Just a... I liked him in Star Trek. I thought he was kicking ass. He was in Into Darkness, right? Uh, Yes, yes. Right, he was, he was part of uh, like one of the heads of Starfleet, right? Yep, he okay. was. Okay. But yeah, um, you know, with them using that ILM X-Lab technology, potentially, it makes me wonder, the one thing that kind of has worried me with the prospect of a live-action Star Wars show is the quality, you know? Right. Because we're so used to live-action Star Wars being at a very high quality. So, you know, obviously... They're not going to spend the same amount of money for two hours of Star Wars live action TV as they would two hours of a Star Wars movie. I bet they'll spend it where it counts. I, I bet think costumes so too. will be on point. I bet vehicles, you know, the, and, the troopers will be on point, guns, and, you know. That's the thing. Like, like is this ILM, does this ILM X Lab technology, does that allow them to do CGI cheaper? but at still at high quality, maybe it does, you know? Um, and it makes me wonder, like, do you set a whole season of a a star Wars TV show on Mandalore 
and and don't leave that setting because that can help with the budget too if you're not constantly having to change different planets and shit right that's true um so i don't know i don't either they could do like a you know how star wars rebels the entire first season was set on lothal it'd be cool if they brought bail organa back yeah, it doesn't really line up with the timeline, though. I know. I'd be down with a bit of Jimmy Smith's, too, though. Yeah. I do like that they brought him back for Rogue One. More Schmitz. Aw, yeah. oh, Schmitz. Give me some yeah, Schmitz. Yeah. Holy Schmitz. <clears throat> uh, for some reason, um, in Revenge of the Sith... When he comes up on the Je- uh, the Jedi Temple, um, it's supposed to be a really heavy scene, and it is. When he sees, um, you know, Jet Lucas get killed by the clone troopers, right. and they're like, right. "Sir, it's time for you to leave." For some reason, the take—it's—I'm sure he did a lot of great delivery. The take that George Lucas chose, where he's like, "And so it is," always gets a little chuckle out of me. I don't know why; it just feels kind of out of place or something. Yeah. But damn, is he good in Rogue One. He's one of the highlights for me in Rogue One is Bail Organa. I know it. Jimmy Schmitz, I like that guy too. So, uh, did you did you come across any interesting Star Wars news this week? I did not. Yeah, it's not a... Besides the live action show, not a whole lot to report on. Wasn't a Star Wars-y news week. I mean, we can't really complain after the last two or three weeks with, right? You know the, the cast announcement. Like I said, I saw Mark Hamill trying to hawk his pants on Jimmy Kimmel. That was pretty funny. Let me in them pants, Mark Hamill. I'll show you a good old time. Uh, For free pants. Did um, did you see the first? Bless you. Did you see the first picture from the episode nine set? that J.J. Abrams posted on Twitter? No, I haven't. We talked about it last week or week when Rob was on, but since you haven't seen it, I'll send it over your way just to get your thoughts on it. But, like, you're not seeing much. It's not like you're like, oh, shit, I can't believe they showed that. But it was nice. Um, And what's funny is ever since um, last week, when uh, last uh, Wednesday, when he posted it, people have been like, "Oh, any day now, J.J. Abrams going to post another picture from Episode Nine. Come on, J.J., any day now." And uh, it hasn't happened yet. Hmm. Um. But yeah, J.J. Abrams started his Twitter account. He only has one tweet, and this is what it says: "Bittersweet starting the next." chapter without Carrie, but thanks to an extraordinary cast and crew, we are ready to go. Grateful for Ryan Johnson and special thanks to George Lucas for creating this incredible world and beginning a story of which we are lucky to be a part of. Hashtag nine. So, like, a really nice message. But that's his only tweet to date. 60,000 likes, 15,000 retweets, 1,200 responses. That's crazy. <clears throat> yeah, I just sent it over to you. Um, like I said, you're not you're not seeing much. The most thing you're going to see is a, a camera, but you also get a little hint of some Chewy and some Finn, maybe some Ray. It's hard to tell. Looks like Finn is rocking a, a, a fucking vest this time around. Yeah. But, uh, you know, like I said, nothing too crazy, but I'm... I'm hoping that he keeps up with it. Like, I want J.J. to share. Because that was one of the cool things about both Ryan Johnson and um, Ron Howard's tenure as Star Wars directors were their uh, willingness to share behind-the-scene pictures and things like that. Right. So I think it'd be real cool if if J.J. was a little less mysterious this time around. It would be fitting. So um, you want to do some emails and voice messages before we call this a night sure all right well there's only one way to kick that off 
You better work. There we go. Kia D. Kia D. Kia D. Cockhead. The only Jedi master who can crash box. Kia D. Cockhead. Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead. He's a big Surian stud. He loves to split chicks with his pud. Kia D. Cockhead. To stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Kia D. Cockhead. What you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge. But he'll be pumping spooge tomorrow. Cockhead. Oh yeah. Alright, so first up we've got a voicemail from our buddy Joe, who we had the fucking delight. Of hanging out with a couple of weeks weekends ago. And thanks, Joe, for coming down. Totally unnecessary, but it was nice to see a friendly face. So, this is what Joe had to say. It was nice to meet Joe. It was. Hello, Will and Haas. This is Joe... It was really nice to meet you two. Like, it really legitimately was a um, a really good time this past uh, Saturday. Uh, the whole weekend that I got to spend in Birmingham. I'm very thankful uh, that I got to meet you. I also got to meet Jesse and Keith and Jeff and Jeremy. And it was really just, it was a good weekend. So I want to thank you all for that. I enjoyed, uh, you know, just watching the magic happen on stage uh, twice, actually. So um, I wasn't sure what the format was going to be uh, for the live recording of the podcast. Uh, But there was one question that I did have lined up. There are actually a couple different ones that I had lined up, but this one... I figure it's more important for the podcast, um, and I wanted to throw this out there to you two, Will and Haas, and then uh, if anybody else wants to follow up uh, in a subsequent podcast. I'm curious if you had, and I've already thrown the question out there to each of you separately, and I know what your answers are, are going to be, at least what you told me they would be. So, if there was a prequel era uh, uh, character, who would you of 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 all of them that we were introduced to, who would you want to have as your uh, a third podcast host or co-host? Um, you know, obviously, Kiedi Mundy uh, is number one on my list, um, but. I was actually thinking about this, and I would think Dexter Jetster would be a really good uh, uh, co-host, because he seems to... I mean, you had uh, Jocasta Nu, who apparently had no idea that Kamino existed, and uh, Obi-Wan went, you know, before he went to uh, uh, Jocasta Nu, he went to Dexter Jester. So if there's anyone who knew more about anything about Star Wars in the prequel era, it was obviously him. So I was just curious if uh, what your opinions would be on uh, a third podcast host. Uh, but uh, <coughs> sincerely, though, thank you. It was nice to meet you both, Will and Haas, and Jesse and Keith and uh, Jeff and Jeremy. And uh, it was it was a good time. So thank you for hosting me, and I'm glad to have seen you all in person. And I hope you all are doing well. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, buddy, it was good to see you too. I really Absolutely. did enjoy hanging out with uh, Joe. After you had to he- head out, we uh, went to dinner with Joe and just continued to have a good old time. It was nice to relax after all those nerves, you know. Yeah. Um, so what's your answer to Joe's question? 
If you could co-host. I can't remember what I told him individually, but now that I think about it, Salacious Crumb. Salacious Crumb would be a cool third host. He would just laugh at everything. Did he? Well, yeah. You would get big pops from Salacious Crumb. Did he specify prequel character? Oh, prequel character? If he didn't, why don't you just give me a prequel character real quick? Um, Watto. Art of the deal with Watto? Yeah, Watto. I gotcha. He'd be certain. He would be an asshole. You know, uh, obviously, for the joke, Kia D. Just want to get into that guy's big head. That's pretty much what I... I think that's what I told him in person. Um, You know who else would be cool? Uh, Plo Cool. Plo Coon. Plo Coon. You know, doesn't... You don't get much personality from him in the prequels. But man, do they make him fucking cool in the Clone Wars. Quinlan Boss. We've had Quinlan Boss on this podcast like three times. His real name, his Earth name is Sal Paralis. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, like I've been rewatching the Clone Wars ever since they announced that it was coming back and I got like the Blu-ray box set and stuff to watch it in like its highest quality. And let me say, it looks great on fucking Blu-ray. But um that first Plo Koon story arc, the um the malevolent story arc when he's trapped in the escape pod with the clones and he's all they're all like, Don't worry about us. Master Coon, our, our our lives don't matter. He's like, no, nah, man, your lives matter to me. I'm a fucking Jedi. He's a real cool Jedi. Plo he Koon. Is. And he looks badass. Come on, oh, Hot yeah. Toys, do a Plo Koon. Alright. Next up, we have our good, good buddy, King Tom. The king. King of all the Toms. King of every Tom. Hey, Hawes and Will. It's King Tom. So I got a question for you guys that was actually spurred on by another question. I finished the book Thrawn Alliances. It's a very good book. I'm not going to spoil it, um, but it is known that part of the book involves Thrawn and Anakin Skywalker working together. And R2-D2 is there with Anakin. And so that got me thinking, you know, about what happens after that. And R2-D2 and Chopper are both together as droids at the, you know, it, with the rebellion at, at Yavin before the Battle of Yavin. And I was wondering if, you know, if they ever gossip together about this blue asshole they met at different points. And, and then that got me thinking to other memories that R2-D2 had. And, and here's where my real question is. So we know that R2's memory was not wiped at the end of Revenge of the Sith, unlike C-3PO's. And R2-D2 was with Anakin throughout a large part of the movie. He was not there for the slaughter at the Jedi Temple, and he was not there when Obi-Wan told Padme that Anakin killed the younglings. But he was there on Mustafar. You know, he saw Obi-Wan and Anakin get into a fight. He saw Anakin, Darth Vader now, but to R2, he was probably still Anakin. He saw Anakin choke out Padme and what happened after that. And I used to think that R2 knew Anakin was Darth Vader all along, but the more I think about it, the more that I start to think, well, maybe he didn't put two and two together or know that his former master was this big, scary guy in the black armor that was responsible for all this evil and responsible for the Empire helping you know, subjugate the galaxy. And I don't think he figured that out until later, which is one of the reasons why he, he was even more protective uh, of Luke. What do you guys think about this? Um, do you think he knew all along, or do you think he found out that Anakin equals the guy in the armor later on? And also, you know, it, it's been established that, that droids have, even though they're uh, artificial intelligence, it's been established that they have some sort of feeling. So what do you think that R2 felt about this? Because I'd imagine he was very disappointed. And that just that just got me thinking about a lot of things. And when I think like this, I tend to share it with you guys, and then that's a problem I have. Not really. I'm I'm happier here and very thankful you're listening. And so thank you for listening this week. And I also want to say that you guys are are doing a great job with the Patreon. I'm proud to be a, a member, subscriber, whatever. And uh, if anyone is out there still listening, hasn't signed up there on the fence, do it. It's worth it. Anyway, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you guys later. 
Thanks, King Tom. Did you hear that fucking Patreon plug that he slipped in there? I heard it. Fucking classy. That's a classy like dude a right there. Thank you for that endorsement. We try to make sure that it's worth your your time and your purchase. Um, <clears throat> the one thing I would say is, in the Star Wars universe, there is no better person to tell a damn secret than R2-D2. That dude does not snitch on anybody, does he? Yeah, there's no way to tell really if they know, like, because, it's you know, Obi-Wan could have had that conversation in front of them, or he could have not, you know? It, right. You just never know. <clears throat> I'm trying to remember, so, I'm trying to place, you know, when, when they're having the big meeting at the end of episode three, where Bale's like, I'll take the girl, you know, my wife and I have can't have kids and we've always thought about adopting a girl and obi-wan's like i'll take the boy to his family on tatooine and watch over him is r2 there during that scene i can't remember i can't remember either something tells me r2 probably does know that vader is is anakin and vice versa but saying that i can't necessarily um I can't point to how. Yeah, I can't point to a specific scene where it would say for sure, oh, he heard them refer to him as Darth Vader and things like that. Um, like, you know, Obi-Wan sees him referred to as Darth Vader in the hollow recording. R2's not there for that, right? He never refers to Anakin as Darth Vader on Mustafar. He only calls him um, Anakin. So... And you know what? I always wonder, like, when and how did Obi-Wan discover that um, Anakin was even still alive? Because I assumed that he left him for dead on Mustafar, right? Yeah. <clears throat> like, the way it seems to play out for me is he leaves thinking... Um, that uh when does Aunt, when does Yoda that, say gone your padawan is all that remains is Darth Vader doesn't he say that at some point yeah I don't know I'm having a hard time I'm frazzled today I'm having a hard time recalling it's been um, a minute since I've seen episode 3 yeah I'll be honest <clears throat> Yeah, can you imagine, though, like, if R2 does know, he's got to be bummed. That'd be like if Walter found out I turned into Space Hitler. Well, you know, you'd think he would remember, he would want to share details with Luke of what he remembered of his father, but he very specifically does not. Yeah, he doesn't spill the beans, and and uh, he doesn't, and, and at some point you would think R2 and Luke would have that conversation, and R2 would be like, Man, I'm sorry. I had to keep it a secret. I didn't know how this shit was going to go down. Like, you got to understand, man. I've been around for a while. I've seen some crazy shit. I don't know what to do, man. That's what I would be like if I was R2. I had to keep it secret. I watched your back, though. Remember? Your father built C-3PO. Yeah. He built that gold asshole that won't leave me alone, always kicking me and shit. <clears throat> yeah, that's, that's an interesting idea. I... I keep waiting, I, and I think they did do it in the old Legends EU stuff, but I keep waiting for them to address that, to address the R2 saw all that shit and didn't have his memory wiped. Uh, I don't think they would do it in a movie, but that seems like prime prime material for a book or something. <clears throat> all right, so we yeah. got uh, two emails this, this evening, and we'll uh, go through those, and then we'll let you guys go. First up, we got one from Richard. Liking that name, buddy. Uh, regarding minor stage fright, here's what helped me with mine. Aha. He's got a little advice for me. I play bass, and the first time I was performing with the band line, live, I had a measurable amount of stage fright. Being a fan of music, all types, in fact, with Elvis and my top all-time list, it is well known he, the king, had stage fright and... It was told it took him two to three songs before it went away. I said to myself that time, shit, if Elvis had some straight stage fright, 
that it's cool if I do as well. <clears throat> that realization helped me cope with it, and in true Elvis fashion, I was TCB all the way after that. TCB, Halls, TCB. That's how you and Will, Har- Will and the Blue Harvest Pod do. Thank you, Richard Howard. Well, thanks, buddy. I don't know what TCB is. I'm not uh, as versed. Taking care of business. Oh, TCB. Taking care of business. Okay. Okay. I like that advice. So he's basically just being like, fucking man up and take care of business. You've only recorded fucking maybe close to 300 episodes of podcasts between this and Rogue One and various other uh, guest appearances and stuff. Just fucking take care of business. Don't be nervous. Don't throw up. It's not bad advice. TCB was like... Elvis's life motto creed in a lightning bolt. TCB in a flash. Is that what his, or is that something else? See, my, I am, is it TCB in a flash? Is that was like that his motto? Taking care of business in a flash. Or am I mixing that up with something else? No, I, maybe. Maybe that's what it meant. <clears throat> I'm telling you, I uh, I am not as well versed in my elvis canon as i am my star wars canon and i'm pretty sure taking care of business is a song that elvis sings is that elvis is that when i wake up in the morning to the alarm clock morning oh, i think that's the fucking i think that's i'm saved by the bell that was saved by the bell <laughs> that was it's all right because i'm saved, saved by, by the bell, bell. james headfield <laughs> but you know taking care of business Every day, taking yeah. care of business. Is that Bachman Turner Overdrive? Did they I, cover? Uh, yeah, I think the <laughs> one you're familiar with is a cover of an Elvis song. I'll be damned. I'll be I damned. believe. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. Well, I would hope you would know a little more about Elvis than I do, because you live in the birthplace of Elvis. I do. All right, one last email for the night, and it's from our buddy Robert. Hey, Halls and Will. Just wanted to stop by and say you guys have been putting up some awesome content lately. You did awesome on your live podcast, and you shouldn't be anxious about the next one that you set up because you guys will do great. Thanks so much, buddy. I'm literally considering signing up for your Patreon. Also, I was playing Spider-Man Unlimited the other day, and the attached Spider-Man came through the portal, and my first thought was, holy shit, I got Spider-Halls. Man, I was so excited. Just thought I'd let you know. Hope you guys have a great week. Your buddy, Robert. I'm going to check out this picture of Spider Halls. (laughs) Dude, what is this game? I'm going to turn on the screen share again for you so you can see what he sent. Can you see that? Spider Halls. Spider Halls. Does Does whatever a Spider Halls does. Spider Halls. I love it. Spider Halls. Has some very hairy balls. Look at this spider guy. Hey, it's the spider halls. Do you see this picture? Look out. Yeah. It's just like a big spider. It looks like spider halls. It's, it's, it's just a big guy with a beard. Why? If he's a Spider-Man, he should be covering that up with his mask. I like it, though. What is this game? Is, he, is there a game where you get to collect a bunch of different Spider-Men? I don't know. Oh, that sounds like right up my alley. The connection alley. is poor, so I can only really see the... It's Play-Doh-y. Uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, he looks like uh, NES graphics or something to you, huh? Yeah. Sega Genesis graphics. Sorry. Mega Drive. That's all right. It's all right. <clears throat> well, guys, that's going to do it for this week. We are. It looks like we're caught up on our emails and stuff, unless I missed any. Um if I did, we'll get them next week, and if not, we will. you guys should hit us up. Tell us what you think about this live-action show business, and show business in general. Uh, thanks for recording with me, buddy. Thank you for accommodating me. Oh, pff, anytime, my man. I, uh, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't in good conscience. I mean, I never am. If you have a problem you know, getting uh, ready at the you know, normal time or something, I never hold it against you. I know what you got going on. Never. I sure appreciate it. But how hypocritical of it would it be of me to have put Steel through two hours of technical difficulty hell today and then be like, 
Oh, Will isn't making it on time. What the fuck? No, you know that's not me. Anyways, thanks for recording. Um, guys, if you like our theme song, please be sure to check out the band that was kind enough to provide the music. Not only for this show, but most of our Patreon content as well. If you've been hearing some rockin' tunes opening up those Patreon special shows, that's Stoned Cobra. You can check them out on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. Leave us a review on iTunes if you have a chance. Really helps us out, and we really appreciate it. And until next week, this has been Blue Harvest, and I'm Hals Burkhart. And I'm Will Wynn. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us. <laughs> <laughs>